Praise the Lord. Good morning to all of you in the name of Jesus. Are you ready to receive from God this morning? I'm standing before you as a man, not with eloquent words, standing with, before you as a man hiding behind a cross. And if you are ready and your hearts are open this morning, and you allow the Word of God to reach the core of your heart, something is going to change this morning. Something has changed in our nation two weeks ago, and it's called Uber. But that's not all what God is doing. God is wanting to do something for His church. Amen. That's His priority. That's the reason why there was a 9th of May election. The 9th of May election is to tell all of you Christians here who have been praying for the last five years that God is not dead. He still hears from heaven. If you don't know why this is happening, if you are still perplexed and you're still surprised that such a thing is possible, let me tell you, all this started more than five years ago. There was a group of people praying after the last election. They never gave up. They formed a little group and they prayed up in the prayer tower. You say, Pastor, where's the prayer tower? Here lah. Right up in the building up there on level 2. Every morning, 6.30 to 7.30, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. The last two weeks prior to the election, it looked like all hell broke loose. Spiritual darkness was over the land. Corruption was rampant. Everything was running out of control. And I happened to ask some of the leaders of the corporate world in GT, Hey, brother, what do you think, huh? Difficult, uh, Pastor. Close, but difficult, I uh, cannot. Most of them, in fact, 100% of them when I asked, cannot, uh, cannot. Good fight, uh, but cannot. Just like Pentecost Sunday, church, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, suddenly, you read that Bible, it says, suddenly, that's what happened. Suddenly, the Spirit of God came down. Suddenly, the power of God came down. Suddenly, on the 9th of May, God came down and He moved His mighty hand. And He changed what was not possible with men. He made what was impossible with men possible. Amen. And today, church, the Word of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We so often quote it, we prayed about it, we stand on it. It has come to pass. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Amen. God is beginning the process of healing now. So this morning, on Pentecost Sunday, God is also going to start that process of healing in His church. Wow, you miss a place to say, praise the Lord. 
It's just not about healing physically. It's about healing spiritually, healing financially, healing of our relationships, healing of every aspect of our lives. And if you are one of those in the last few months who contemplated on going to the embassy to ask for forms to apply to immigrate, or you have those forms in your hands, it's already filled up, let me tell you, may I give you this advice? Throw away those forms. Malaysia is where the action is. Amen. It's not down under, it's not up over, it's not east, it's not west. It's right here in Malaysia. Amen. Revival is here, here in this place. Today, Pentecost Sunday, God is going to show His power in the days to come. Now, I don't know why I'm saying all this. This is all very prophetic. I never preach prophetic messages. I suppose we need to hear something from God this morning. Amen. We are on the threshold of something great that God is going to do in this nation. We are the witnesses and the people who will witness something mighty that God will do in this land. We are the people who will stand in the gap and say, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is in this land. And God is in the business of healing. God is in the business of saving. And God is in the business of redeeming this nation that was once thought to be lost to the enemy. Because when the church rises up, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Now, that was not my sermon. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come in Jesus' name, Lord. And Lord, we are so grateful to you, Jesus, that we can still continue to sit in a place like this, Lord, to hear your word, Father. But this morning, Lord, more than just hearing your word, Lord. We want to be touched, O oh Lord. We want our faith to be resurrected again, Father. We want our faith to be, to be increased, O oh Lord. We want that seed to grow, Father, so that, Lord, we may see and do great things in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, let us be more than just hearers, but let us be doers of your word. Let every word that proceed out of my mouth this morning be the words, O oh Lord, that will bring life, with the words that will bring restoration, with the words that will bring salvation. And Lord, let these words be the words that will bring deliverance, Lord, in Jesus' name, Father. And let these words that go forth will not return void to you, God, but it shall accomplish everything that pleases you, Lord. Bless these words, O Lord, as they are received. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Now, I know traditionally... Many churches celebrate Pentecost Sunday. But I also know a lot of churches do not place much emphasis on Pentecost. Traditionally, some and most churches, they place a lot of emphasis for Christmas. 
They organize a lot of plays. They organize dramas and programs for Christmas. Then the second part of the Christian calendar is when Good Friday comes. And then they organize a lot of dramas and events for Good Friday and following that, Resurrection Day. But when it comes to Pentecost, many, many churches do not place much emphasis on it. But let me say this. Without Pentecost, we will not be able to sit here as victorious living Christians. Without Pentecost, we will be powerless. So, may I urge for us to look into this area and put equal, if not more, emphasis on Pentecost because Pentecost is the prime mover. God sent His Holy Spirit to fall on the 120 in the upper room. And when the power of Spirit came upon them, the lives that were in that room were transformed. They were changed 180 degrees. They went out preaching not as mere men. They went out preaching as if, like the people said, they had been with Jesus. That's the power and effectiveness of Pentecost. I will not talk so much of that because I know most of you, you have heard this story before in Acts chapter 2. But how this came about, I need to bring you back to that one great plan because Pentecost was the last piece of jigsaw that God had to fit into the picture of His master plan. That was the last piece. In order to understand how it all started, we need to see how John put it. John, the apostle, put it very well in the book of John. He started in the book of John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was right in the beginning. It was already in the plans of God to start a new, new movement the Messianic Church of Jesus Christ to redeem His people. As we all know, Adam sinned and fell in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. And God had already hatched a plan on how to redeem back His people. And John sent this message right from the first chapter, first verse, going back to say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. His is the only gospel that introduces Jesus in a different light. He introduced Jesus as the Word. And in verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory. Amen. That was how He introduced. It was this Word. The incarnate Word, the Word became flesh and He dwelt amongst us and we beheld His glory. Now I ask you, were you there when Jesus, the Word, became flesh? Anyone here was there? No, sir. None of us were there when the Word became flesh. None of us were there when we, to be, behold His glory. None of us were there to witness Miracles that Jesus did. 
So what is it in for us today? That's why John said, he emphasized the Word. The Word is the one that will stay. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He ascended 40 days after the resurrection. He ascended to heaven, back to the Father. So whatever John said, to behold His glory, none of us in our generation is able to do that. But let me tell you, the Word is still around. What you hold in your hands is still around. And this is the thing that John emphasized. One of the plans that God had was His Word. This is our take for this Sunday. The Word. Amen. Now, if the Word was Jesus, then why didn't John write the entire gospel, everything, Jesus lah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It doesn't sound practical, right? It has to be the Word. What is this Word? This Word is the divine self-expression of God. This Word is God's, God's divine speech. This Word is inspired by God. These words are the words that Jesus spoke. This word is the word of God that is a vehicle for divine action. Now please follow with me. We need to get this right. Many times we miss out on this. I will show you why we have missed out and as a result, we don't get to see the miracles that we ought to see. We don't get to see the miracles that Jesus did while he was here doing his public ministry for three years. We don't get to witness all those miracles. The miracles of the healing of a boy. The miracles of Lazarus that Jesus raised. The healing of the blind man. The healing of the lame man. The healing, the, the multiplication of the bread and the fishes. This was what is supposed to be. This was the new order that Jesus had planned. God had planned this new order. And His first miracle that Jesus did when He started His public ministry was that He attended a wedding in the town called Cana. And in that town, He was asked to change water into wine. Now many years ago, I preached on this subject to the youths. And they went home and they told their parents, you know, our pastor said that it's okay to drink wine. Because Jesus changed water into wine. The following week, I had so many complaints. Misquoted and misunderstood. The reason why Jesus changed water into wine is significant because He was the bride. He was the bridegroom that was coming now to claim His bride. This is the new order, the Messianic church. This was a symbol, this was a, 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 a pattern that Jesus was going to start. And when he changed that water into wine, he was trying to tell his disciples, hey, this is the new wine. No more of the old wine. No more animal sacrifices. No more of the laws of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No more of all these works of men. 
No more of all this self-righteousness. This is the new wine. This is how it's going to be done. And Jesus was the forerunner. He showed His disciples how this new wine is going to work out. One after another, John showed all the miracles. And they saw it. And then came to the point, now I'm running through for you the book of John to show you how Pentecost came about and why Pentecost was necessary and why Pentecost is evident in, must be evident in our lives. Jesus ran through with them all the miracles and they saw firsthand the miracles that Jesus did. And they beheld His glory. Now, on the last day, just before Jesus was taken back up to heaven, He told His disciples, one more last, one more last assignment. That's the last piece of the jigsaw. He says, stay here in Jerusalem. Tarry here until you receive power from on high. And they stayed together in an upper room for 10 days after that. And on that 10 day, something happened, as we all know. Pentecost came down with tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit came into existence. The Holy Spirit came into the lives of every individual of those 120 people. And they were never the same again. Amen. That is the gist of Pentecost. It all started in the beginning. Now, what is our take today? We don't have Jesus here in the physical, but we have His Word. How is this going to work out for us? Very simple. Look to the Bible. The answer is always in the Bible. If you care to look into the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is like creation. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Listen to this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What was hovering over the face of the waters? Spirit of God. Even though the earth was without form and void and in darkness, the Spirit of God was in position. It was already in position. Why was He in position? He was in position because in verse 3, God says, Let there be light. And there was light. And that was the reason when the Holy Spirit heard that expression of God, the Word of God that was spoken, straight away He switched on the lights. The whole universe was lighted up. So, the Spirit of God was already in position before the light came into existence, church. And I want you to know today, that is the same pattern God is doing in our lives. That is the same pattern God is going to do in the church. Amen. We need to realize that whatever it is, today as you are seated here, the Spirit of God is over each one of you. It is in position. It is just waiting for the expression of the Word of God. It is just waiting for the divine speech 
of the Word of God. It is just waiting for the Word of God to be the vehicle to drive that miracle. Amen. You don't sound too excited. As I shared with you earlier, May 9 didn't just happen like that. May 9 happened because the Spirit of God was moving the last five years or so. As people continue to pray, as people continue to intercede, the Spirit of God was moving over this land, was putting into position everything in order. Even though it looked like it was dark, even though it looked like it was void, even though it looked like there was spiritual wickedness all around, but the Spirit of God still moved. Amen? Are you still with me? And then, on that day, God just spoke the word. And suddenly, suddenly, things were changed. Amen? What was thought to be impossible, God made it possible. Because He just spoke the word. It's the express word. And that can happen to all of us seated here this morning. It can happen to all of us. Because the Spirit of God is in the house. God is in the house. Why I know that? Because when two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in our midst. God is in the house just waiting for that command. God is in the house waiting for that order. God is waiting for that, that, that word that will go forth. Big question. Where is the word? Where is the word? The express word of God. For some of us, it's still in our hands. For some of us, it's in our pocket, in our handphone. Handphone apps. That's our word. Church, I don't teach you a new thing. I just remind you, the Word of God cannot be just in your hands. Neither can the Word of God be in your handphone apps. The Word of God must be inside of you. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, the Word of God is near us. It's in our mouth and in our heart. This is the Word we preach to you. This is the Word that is preached to you this morning. That you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe that God raised Him from the dead with your heart, you will be saved. For with your heart, you believe, resulting in righteousness. And with your mouth, you confess, resulting in salvation. It must be in us, church. The Holy Spirit must be active in us. And we must have the Word inside us. Without the Word, tak boleh jalan, no. Tak boleh ubah. I learned this when I was one day impacted by a video of the persecuted church in China many years ago. Where they meet together and huddle together in the dark, in the early hours morning secretly for fear of being discovered. And they were, this, these villagers, this community, they will come together. They will pray. But they will also bring with them small pieces of paper. Those pieces of paper, each one will write one chapter of one of the Gospels. 
Some will write the book of John chapter 1. Some will write the book of John chapter 2. Some will write the book of Mark chapter 1. They will write different verses. They will write it down because they were not allowed and cannot be seen or caught with the Bible in their hands. So they had kept pieces of paper. And every morning they will come to exchange this paper. And they will memorize the papers. They will memorize because why they have to return back to the owner. They were so hungry and they had the word of God where? They had the word of God in them. It was near them, in their mouth and in their hearts. And because of that, there was power in the underground church in China. They, they, they flourished and they multiplied tremendously. Because why? The word of God was put into action. The Spirit of God moved mightily. So I say to you this morning, church, more than just having the Word in your hands, more than having the words in your apps, we need to have the Word in our hearts. Because when you express the Word of God, and when it's in your heart, something will change. Amen. Something will happen. Because why is the divine Word of God? When you say, let there be light, there must be light. Amen. When you say be healed in Jesus' name, it must be done in Jesus' name. Because why the express word will bring forth the command and the Holy Spirit is duty-bound to perform the word of God. Are you understanding? This is the gospel we are preaching, church. This is the gospel, the powerful gospel of Jesus. Simple as it may be, but it is powerful. I give you another story from the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. The story of Elisha. This man of God was staying in a city or in a town called Dothan. And he was a prophet to Israel. And there was this king of Syria who always had planned to attack Israel. And each time he planned something to ambush Israel, Elisha would have first-hand news. And he warned the king of Israel not to go along that route, to avoid this place so that you would not be ambushed. So the king of Syria was very frustrated because all his plans were exposed even before it can be put into practice. So the king of Syria asked his elders, his generals, and said, who amongst us is the traitor? And all of them looked at one another and they said, none of us. There is one guy in this city called Elisha. He's the culprit. He's the one that warns them of what we plan. So the king of Syria decided to put a contract out on Elisha. He sent his soldiers, he sent his chariots, he sent his army in the night to surround the city of Dothan. By morning time, when Elisha's servant got up, he saw up on the hills all the army, all the Syrian army, their chariots and everyone all ready for the attack. And he told Elisha, Wow, this time mati already lah. See, Leo. Then Elisha looked up 
and told his servant, no, 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 no. We won't die. You look up on the skies, just above those hills. The servant saw nothing but thin air. But let me say this. What Elijah saw, saw and is recorded in the Bible, he told the servant, there's an army of God, the angelic host, right above those hills in the city, and they are all ready for the express word of God to be declared. Amen. And Elijah said, they that are with us are more than they that are with them. You remember that line? Elijah said, don't worry. And suddenly, he opened the eyes of the servant and the servant saw the angelic host all over. And just before the Syrian army started their attack, Elijah just gave the command, struck them with blindness. Straight away, all the Syrian army was struck with blindness. They couldn't move. They don't know where, they, where to go. They just, they were immobilized. And Elijah told his servant, now you lead them one by one. This is a classic case of blind leading the blind. Can you imagine army with armor, with spears, shields, everything, bows and arrows, and they are blind. And they're holding one another's hand in a single line with the servant leading them right into the Israeli camp. Church, let me say this. Before you see a victory in the natural, the victory must be won in the spiritual. That is the gist of what I'm trying to say. Anytime we do battle, before you want to see something happen in the natural, it must be won in the spiritual. I shared last night at the uh, Young Adult Saturday on 5. I've learned this principle I put it into practice and it works. Amen. Very simple. Nothing complex. For the last 12 years, I've been working in the secular. Like everyone now. Get up at 7, go to work at 8, reach the office at 9, and face all the nonsense. Amen. All the politics, all the banging, all the kato. It was more difficult for me because I came up from a, a church with four walls. Very nice, cozy, protected. I only come for Saturday, Sunday service, midweek service, and I'm, my job is done. No problem, no politics. Amen. If there's any little politics, we pray, and that's it. Lay hands. Make sure they are slain. Deliver them. Matters off. But in the office setting, it is different. And those times, I had to face people, difficult people, people who are unreasonable, people who will give you hell just for the sake of giving you hell, people who just don't like the look of your face. And you go for a meeting, you are bound to be hit left, right and centre. So I shared with the Saturday on 5. I said, I can identify with all of you. I can identify with what you are going through. In fact, some of them dread coming to work on Monday. Some of them are not looking towards Monday because they know they're going to get fired on Monday. They know they're going to get shot to pieces on Monday. But let me say this. 
All this can change, church. All this can change. But you need to win the battle in the spiritual. So before I went to see some of these people, these unreasonable people, these difficult people, these tough people, before going, pray in tongues lah. While you leave the office to go to their office, if it takes 30 minutes, pray in tongues for 30 minutes. If it takes you 45 minutes, pray in tongues for 45 minutes. Because why? When you pray in the Spirit, you are actually changing the spiritual atmosphere in that place. Amen. It is not for fun that you're praying in tongues. It is a, something very specific and very true. So when you pray in tongues and when you pray for that duration of time, something is happening over in that place. The Spirit of God is in place. The atmosphere is being changed. The environment is being changed. Everything will be worked out to your favor. When you arrive there, everything is very nice. They greet you. They talk to you nicely. And then they say, hey, come, I buy you lunch. Wow. You think what I'm telling stories? Uh? These are not grandmother stories. These are true. Uh? I got 12 years of stories to share with you. If you care to sit down till midnight, I'll be glad to share with you these 12 years of stories. So let me say this. Pentecost Sunday is not just for Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday today is the start for a Pentecostal experience with the Holy Spirit for the next seven days, next 14 days, next 30 days, next 30 years. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that God says we need. This is the last piece of the jigsaw that you and I need to put into place. You have that word. Now you need that spirit. They go hand in hand. Amen. Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. They had a conversation. And right through the end of the conversation, the Samaritan woman told Jesus, Our fathers worship in this mountain. You Jews say that the, to worship the Father in Jerusalem. And you know what was Jesus' reply? Jesus replied because He is bringing the new order. He says, There will come a time that you will neither worship in this mountain nor will you worship in Jerusalem. There will come a time when you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That will be the time. Because Jesus knows it will be very impractical for all of us to travel to Jerusalem every Sunday. Isn't it? And in order for God to do it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit must come upon each one of us. So that anywhere and everywhere that you are, you are able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This morning in this house, we are able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Because God is spirit. Amen. And therefore, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Wow. Hot, huh? I don't know about you. I'm feeling very hot here.
So let me close up by saying this, church. It is imperative. It is necessary. It is important. It is ultimately, ultimately important that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's the empowerment that God wants for us to have. I can share with you many testimonies of years gone by where the Holy Spirit has come in, has placed things in order, things that never seemed to be in order, it came into order. Because why? When we worship the Father in spirit and in truth, things happen. Amen. Environment changes, circumstances changes, condition changes, everything changes. There was a time I had a run-in in my early days with a business partner whom we decided to uh, break up part ways because it was not working out. But somehow the family of this business partner was not happy with how things ended up. And they sent some gangsters to my rented apartment. Wow! Terror, huh? I told you what, last time I have a very colourful wife and also a colourful life because this wife has been tolerating my nonsense for many years. And praise God, she's still with me. Hallelujah! After 33 years. That night, this group of people came in a car into the rented apartment on the second level. They were banging at the door. They knew where I was staying. They were knocking because I was not in. They were banging so hard. Where was I? I was in church. La. We had a service. We had a guest speaker. And they were banging. And I had to take the guest speaker home. That difference between taking the guest speaker home and coming to my house made the difference. Because just as, you know, in the apartment there is the muscle sign, and then you make a swing, and then you claw out the other side. Just as I was entering the muscle side, I saw one car driving, speeding off on the Kaloa side. I walked up to the apartment. My neighbor came out and told me, you know, there was a group of three guys banging at your door so loud. And they kept banging and banging. And my neighbor said, if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police. And at that, they stopped and they went back into their car. But as they were coming out, I was going in. Wow. Call that a close shave. Close shave. But you see, I was a young Christian. The old man still very much present in me. Amen. Old man. You know the old man? I was from Klang. I call my member, you know. My old members. Now, you don't do this, huh? I call my old members. These were the ones that I, I, I was with, with them in school and we moved around. We went to shops to eat bakute. We don't pay one, no. You all go to bakute, you all pay cash, some action pay card. Huh, we all lucky terror. We go and eat and walk out. 
Of course, uh, we don't do it nowadays. We pay. I call these guys. They belong to number 18. Some of you, oh, oh you know, huh? You heard, huh? Number 18. If you are 21, don't see me now, huh? I also don't belong to 21. I don't belong to 18. I belong to Jesus. I call them. I call in the reinforcement. And we made a meeting. We had a meeting over a table in Brickfields. You know, there was this place called the Pines. It's no more there now. It's called the Pines. We had a meeting. But before that, somehow, something struck me. It's like the Holy Spirit telling me, David, don't make your life so difficult. Opposite the pines is a police station. Just go across there and make a police report. Get a copy of the report. So I did that. That was my insurance. In case anything happens, I got a police report. So I made a police report and I held it and put it in my pocket and we sat down to talk. I didn't talk. My friends talk. I won't mention his name because why? This guy, this leader, you see him, you know he's 18. Lah. He's got scar here, he's got scar here, he's got scar everywhere. He went to Pulau Jeraja. You know where's Pulau Jeraja? It's no more there now. He did all the talking. Finally, this thing could not be resolved. And then, I could specifically hear God say, take out that piece of paper. So I took out the piece of paper and I said, look, no point arguing. What for we fight? Police report made ready. You want to follow black or you want to follow white? Your choice. Amen? Wow, this one all our old time talk, you know. This is not gospel. Uh. This old time talk. You follow black or you follow white? Police report made. So when they saw the police report, they say, okay, lah, let's forget it. Lah. Because why? Police report made. And I say, if, if one hair from my hand dropped down, lah, they will come and look for you. Police station just across the road. One hair, any. So I say, oh, like that, no need, no need to talk. Forget it. Call it quits. So everything settled. And that was the day I learned. Our God is wiser his thoughts are higher. He's got more wisdom and He's in control of every situation in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God that you all waited and didn't go to Australia, New Zealand or any other country. You waited until 2018 because why 2018 was the change. Amen. And the change was a perfect change. Have you seen anywhere else in the world where a government of 60 years can be changed overnight without one drop of blood? No revolution. No rioting. No looting. No burning of tires. No burning of buildings and cars. Just overnight, one word called Uba. If you are patient to wait, God has the perfect plan.
And that plan is a perfect plan that nobody will be able to fathom and understand. It has to be God. It is a miracle. It comes from on high because the Word has been expressed. The Word has been sent out. God's Word has been said. And the Spirit of God that was moving around activated on that Word. And you are here, sir. There's a gentleman here. God is saying, you are now crumbling under a mountain of debts. Don't know who you are, but this is what God is saying. You're crumbling under a mountain of debts and you do not know what and how and where, where to turn to. You don't know what is going to happen. You are just lost. Oh, this morning, revelation is coming to you, my dear brother. God is saying, there is a solution. There is an answer. There is a turnaround. You need to do something in the spiritual realm this morning. You need to speak to the mountain. Be thou removed and it will be removed and thrown into the sea. Things can happen when you start to do something in the spiritual realm. Whoever this brother is, may I encourage you, take this step of faith, resurrected faith, and ask Jesus to come into your life. Amen. Let us stand.